Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. Good Monday morning, Vanessa Denhagarmo, filling in for my dear sister in Christ this morning, Teresa Tamio, the host of Epiphany and Ave Maria Radio. We are a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN, and really excited to be with all of you today. Uh, Emily Malloy will be joining us, Theology of the Home for Arranging the Seasons. This is a great stocking stuffer gift. I've bought, I've purchased her books before, and it's listed in a wonderful article in the National Catholic Register for the 2023 Buy Catholic Christmas Gift Guide. I love talking about this. I love finding wonderful Catholic stocking stuffer gifts for families, housewarming gifts, gifts that you take with you when you're invited to a Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner or an event. Of course, bring the food. Who doesn't love the food? But these are great gifts to bring to people. And Emily Malloy's book is on this list. And I have uh, tweeted this out on my X page, rather, Vanessa Denhagarmo. It's also posted on my Communications Evangelist Coach public Facebook page. You can follow me there as well. It's a great list. I really recommend you reading this article from the National Catholic Register. But Emily Malloy's book is on that list. It's a great stocking stuffer. We're also going to be talking with Kevin Murphy today, Vice President of Communications communications at the Cardinal Newman Society, talking about the 8th Annual Essay Scholarship Contest. And then Gail Buckley rounds out the hour here today, as she always does, from the Catholic Scripture Study International on a Monday, giving us the Bible verse of the week. Also, we want to... um, venerate or give knowledge to the beloved saints of Italy as Teresa Tamio loves to share from Tease Italy and she is sharing Mother Cabrini today with all of us feast day on November 13th. In 1946 Italian Saint Francis Xavier Cabrini was the first American citizen to be canonized always in the frail health but tireless she founded 67 hospital skills schools rather orphanages chapels and convents mainly in the U.S. but also internationally. And uh, we can ask for intercessory prayer of her today for schools and hospitals and orphanages. And on my show, Epiphany, I love to share an Epiphany quote of the day and a coach's question as a communications and leadership coach quote. And the the quote I'm actually sharing today, which is ironic that T was sharing uh, St. Francis of Xavier in her T's Italy. I wasn't even paying attention of her feast day being today. And I actually picked this quote. No one can ever excel in great things who do not first excel in small things. And that's from St. Francis Xavier. No one can ever excel in great things who do not first excel in small things. And so my communication coach's question of the day is, what small things is God putting in your hand today to excel at? What small things is God putting in your hand today to excel at? Take that to prayer with your Bible and your journal and really think about that today. I also wanted to, you know, say go Lions. If you watched football yesterday, as we do in our house, or as my husband does, I should say, it's a very exciting Lions game. And I wanted to share with you a clip uh, in a second from, let me just pull this up, the uh the kicker, Riley Patterson, kicked a 41-yard field goal as time expired, and the Lions prevailed in a 41-38 shootout over the Chargers. He kicked the game-winning field goal. And what did he do? Well, he gave glory to God. So I want to play this clip. Andrew, can you play that? 
Oh yeah, it was awesome. Walking up there, got a little bit of time. I say some Bible verses to myself. I say uh, uh, 2 Timothy 1.7, for the Spirit of God does not make us timid, uh, but gives us power, love, and uh, self-discipline. So power, thinking about how much my God loves me, uh, gives me a little bit of peace going up for a big moment like that. So that's really what I'm thinking about. And from there on out, you just count out the steps and going through the ball and so before you know it. Praying on the field. What a great message about standing up and speaking up. We're all called to do that, and this is a great example. I have a segment on my show called Faith at Work that we do on, a, on Epiphany, and we talk. It, it really has a double meaning. And when we take faith to work with us and how faith is at work in our lives, and this is a perfect example about that, of, of that. Riley Patterson taking his faith with him to work on the field, on the football field during the Lions game yesterday, and look at how he saw faith at work in his life. In reciting the gospel, uh, I mean, the scripture verse, 2 Timothy 1, 7, for the spirit of God gave us, does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. That's what he was praying in his mind to himself on the field, as which led him to kicking that winning field goal. What a wonderful example. What a great role model. And we saw this in Tim Tebow. But these are great examples of how we could take faith to work with us every day. And when we do that, we see faith at work in our lives. I love this segment on my show, Epiphany. I love when people share with us their faith at work stories. And I'll be talking more about this later on my show this afternoon. But faith at work is so important. How are you taking faith to work every single day? Like Riley Patterson did yesterday in the football field. Helping the Lions win. Very exciting game for Lions fans. Like my husband, Ronnie, who was very excited. <laughs> and at the end of the Sunday night in a great mood. But we have to think about that. How do we stand up and speak up for truth? And I was talking about this on my walk yesterday. I walked a couple miles on a beautiful Sunday afternoon here in southeast Michigan. The sun was out. It was beautiful, about 50 degrees for a fall day. And I bumped into my neighbor and her friend. And we were ta- talking about this very thing, about standing up and speaking up for truth and bringing Christ with us when we go into these Thanksgiving and Christmas meals and, you know, speaking about finding ways to unite our family, you know, these, these 2023 by Catholic guide that is the national Catholic register where we have a list of books in the EWTN religious catalog is a great way to prompt those wonderful conversations. There's a great book that I interviewed uh, the other day, uh, Father Donald Kennelway, the Chaste Heart of St. Joseph. This is a great, it's a comic book style book. This is a great book to bring to a Christmas or Thanksgiving gathering. The family can read it together. Your friends can read it together. And you can have a wonderful conversation about St. Joseph. Find ways to prompt these conversations that unite us as family of friends. We need unity in this world. Don't rely on the politicians who use that word as their platform and do nothing, but in fact, do the opposite and divide us. Social media designed to divide us. Politics designed to divide us. We as Catholics have to figure out ways to unite us, to find common ground. And we do that through prayer, through wonderful conversations centered on Christ, through our saints like St. Joseph, and this book is a is a great conversation starter. And there's many of those kinds of books that we can read as family and friends. And this is a, I, well, the reason I love this book, because each kid could take a turn reading a page. And you can have a wonderful family discussion. Maybe do this after dinner. Do this sitting around a fire. 
you know, prompt that wonderful conversation about our faith with your family and friends and think of ways of doing that by bringing books with you to your family gatherings this holiday season. It is eight minutes past the hour. I'm Vanessa Denhagarmo filling in for my dear sister in Christ, Teresa Tamio, and now it's time for the news. So looking at the forecast around the country, as I said, here in Detroit, it's 60 degrees is the high today. Sunny skies, another wonderful day to get out walking. I'm very excited about that. 43 degrees in Sault Ste. Marie with rainy uh, skies today. If you're looking in northern part of Michigan, looking at Buffalo, New York, 53 degrees and rainy skies. New York, high of 51, partly sunny. Boston, high of 44 and cloudy skies. Washington, a high of 58. Norfolk uh, is a high of 59. And Charlotte, a high of 66 with sunny skies. Jackson, Florida, high of 67. You head down more south into Tampa and Miami, 83 in both so both those cities with cloudy skies. New Orleans, rainy skies, 65 degrees. Houston, also rainy with a high of 61. It's going to be rainy in San Antonio, a high of 59. El Paso, 63 in cloudy skies. Phoenix, Arizona is topping out 87 degrees in sunny skies. Los Angeles, a high of 76 in partly sunny skies. Las Vegas, a high of 72. And going into Seattle, 52 degrees and cloudy skies in Seattle. Pope Francis is moving a Texas bishop from his role after the Vatican ordered an investigation. The move was confirmed on Saturday. Bishop Joseph E. Strickland was removed from his role governing the Diocese of Tyler after he declined to resign. The outspoken bishop has been a critic of the Pope, accusing him of undermining the Catholic faith. An apostolic administrator has been appointed to the Tyler Diocese. A House Republican who's part of a bipartisan delegation in Israel is criticizing those who are calling for a ceasefire. Trey Thomas has more. Speaking on ABC's This Week, New York Congressman Mike Lawler said people who are demanding a ceasefire totally misunderstand what's happening in the region. Hamas is not some organization that is going to abide by a ceasefire. They are hell-bent on eradicating the state of Israel. Lawler said nobody would have called for a U.S. ceasefire after 9-11. I'm Trey Thomas. Thousands of rabbis from different parts of the world are returning home after gathering in New York City Borough of Queens to pray for hope and peace. The gathering was part of a global weekend, Long Jewish Conference in Cambria Heights, which is considered a place of deep spiritual sanctity. The NYPD is reporting a rise in anti-Semitic hate crimes since the start of the Israeli-Hamas war on October 7th. The chair of the Republican National Committee is brushing off a GOP presidential candidate's call for her to resign. Mark Mayfield with the story. Speaking on CNN's State of the Union, Ronald McDaniel mocked Vivek Ramaswamy, who criticized her during the GOP debate one day after Republican election losses. Ramaswamy also tweeted that McDaniel should resign and have the party select an interim chair. McDaniel responded by saying the tech entrepreneur is polling at 4% and he's looking to make headlines. I'm Mark Mayfield. House Speaker Mike Johnson is putting forward a two-step temporary funding plan to avoid a government shutdown. Democratic Congressman Brenda Brendan Boyle of Pennsylvania says the continuing resolution doesn't line up with what's needed, but he is seeing some signs of progress. We all know the way this is going to end. Uh, we're going to get a clean CR. The only question is, will we get it before a government shutdown or will we get it some days and weeks into a government shutdown? 
The first part of the plan would extend funding until January 19th for only a select handful of departments. The second would extend funding for the entire government until February 2nd. Neither bill includes additional aid for Israeli or Ukraine. New York City Mayor Mike uh, Eric Adams is defending himself against accusations that the FBI is investigating his role in a Turkish consulate project. Mark Mayfield fills us in. The FBI is reportedly focusing on text messages related to the opening of the Turkish government's consulate in Manhattan. Federal investigators are looking into whether or not the texts from Adams helped fast-track the opening of the new building in 2021. This comes after the FBI raided the Brooklyn home of his top fundraiser. Adams has said he will fully cooperate with investigators. The United States has carried out more than airstrikes in Syria, NBC's Megan Fitzgerald reports. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin in a statement saying the U.S. will defend itself and its personnel. It's the latest response from the Pentagon to a spike in attacks from Iranian-backed groups on U.S. forces. On Sunday, a U.S. defense official said the strikes were conducted against Iran-aligned groups. One of the targets was reportedly a weapon storage facility. Donald Trump Jr. is preparing to head back to court, taking the stand as the first defense witness in Trump Organization's civil fraud trial in New York City. Um, in New York, rather. Lawyers representing former President Donald Trump, his sons, and their company are set to start the defense today. The Trump family organization is being accused of inflating their wealth to obtain better loans. The New York Attorney General's office ended its argument last week and was denied a motion to limit certain expert witnesses from testifying for the defense. South Carolina Senator Tim Scott is suspending his presidential campaign. I am suspending my campaign. I I think the voters... Uh, who are the most remarkable people on the planet have been really clear that they're telling me not now, Tim. Scott made the announcement in an interview with Fox News on Sunday. He said he loves America more than he did when he started running. But when he returns to Iowa, it will not be as a presidential candidate. Drivers in Texas are still seeing the nation's lowest gas prices today. According to AAA, the average price in the Lone Star State is $2.80 per gallon. The national average today is basically unchanged from yesterday at $3.36. The Rockefeller Center tree arrived in New York City Saturday and is now standing. Trey Thomas has more. The 80-foot-tall Norway spruce arrived in New York City Saturday and will soon be decked out with more than 50,000 LED lights and top with a 9-foot, 900-pound Swarovski star covered in 3 million crystals. The official tree lighting ceremony happens Wednesday, November 29th. It's 14 minutes past the hour here on Catholic Connection. I'm Vanessa Denhagarmo filling in for Teresa Tamia. When we come back, we'll be talking with Emily Malloy, author of Theology of Home 4, Ranging the Seasons. The wisdom of Mother Angelica. Have you ever been so grief-stricken and so heart-sick that you can't see God? You can't see God in the tragedy. You can't see God in that cross. You can't see God in that sick. Why? You're enveloped in that grief. You're enveloped in fear. And God is out the window. You don't see him standing right next to you. EWTN. Live Truth. Live Catholic. next guest story, Emily Malloy's floral design career began as an apprentice who swept petals and leaves off the floor 
of a rapidly growing floral shop in Philadelphia. She eventually rose to manager and floral designer. Her work has appeared in Elle Decor and Green Wedding Shoes, and she's currently the food and floral designer editor at TheologyofHome.com. She and her husband live in Mississippi with their four children, and we're, she's here on Catholic Connection to talk with us about Theology of Home for Arranging the Seasons. Emily, always a pleasure to talk with you. Oh, it's such a joy to be with you this morning. Thank you for having me. So let's talk about this wonderful uh, stocking stuffer gift idea, Theology of Home for Arranging the Seasons, which was recommended, by the way, and the list of 2023 by Catholic gifts in the National Catholic Register. I don't know if you know that, but it was oh, recommended. To me. <laughs> yeah, one of the Christmas gifts. And as I read that, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm going to be talking to Emily. So let's talk oh, about exciting. Theology of the Home for Arranging the Seasons. Give us an overview. Yes, absolutely. So the book itself is a journey through the year, um, chronicling the seasons broken down by months, beginning in January and ending in December. And in each month, you find different little hallmarks of the season and the ways in which God uses nature to um, be a gift to us as his children, but also to speak to us to the greater realities of life. So what, what prompted you to start penning these books, Theology of the Home for Ranging the Seasons? Tell us what in, in the series that you have. Yes, yeah, so Carrie and Noel um, wrote the first three books, and it was with the intention of um, helping women in the world that we live in today sort of reorient our homes, our focus toward the home with the idea of preparing ourselves for our journey home to the Father um, in eternity. So uh, they wrote the first three books, and then I have a small little cameo in the third book, and then um, took on the fourth book, uh, Carrie suggested that the fourth book, we were kind of mulling over what the what the topic could be for the fourth book, and we knew that I wanted to be more involved. And then on Christmas morning of 2021, she said, it's so obvious, the fourth installment needs to be about the garden and about flowers, and it's yours. And I thought, mm-hmm. oh, my goodness. <laughs> so it was really Carrie's idea, and, yeah. um, and, and so it was just a gift to do. Yeah, I've interviewed Carrie before, too, in her series, and I've gotten her books as gifts, too. And they're wonderful books, uh, especially for uh, newly engaged couples, newly married mm-hmm. couples, maybe a housewarming gift. And I'm a big proponent, uh, Emily, giving ge- uh, books as gifts, especially when you're going to the holiday season. You're invited to Thanksgiving dinner or Christmas dinner and bring that dish. It's okay. Bring the food. We love the food. Uh, but, you know, the, the books are a great gift. So what would you say to people about, you know, maybe using this gift uh, to, as a prompting a discussion? I mean, you know, we want to go into our families with wonderful discussions about the faith. So how can this prompt a good conversation? Well, I think because beauty, there is a universality to beauty, right? There are some things that are subjective, but there are a lot of things that are very objective. And I think it is um, um, obvious to say that we are beguiled by beauty, right? We're beguiled by flowers. But also this recognition that no matter where people are in their faith life, uh, they are always struck by beauty, struck by their time outside in nature. And one thing that I do love about how the book worked out is it is always relevant because you're always at some certain part of the year in the book. So there's no particular timeliness where, well, this would be more of a spring thing that I'll enjoy. You know, uh, it was my hope that Anytime you pick up the book and read to the exact season that you're in, that it will be relevant to you and that it will be relevant to people in all, um, you know, spectrums of, of art- artistic abilities, of um, a beauty appreciation, um, and also in the faith life. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, the book is published by TAM Books, uh, and it's available at the EWTN Religious Catalog. And, um, Emily, um, you know, tell us what prompted you, what what enticed you about flowers and uh, now being uh, an, an expert florist? What what led you into, you know, be, this field? Well, it was absolutely providential. It wasn't necessarily something that I felt an inkling to do. I was working in a law firm in downtown Philadelphia. I had discerned out of law school and just kind of felt like I didn't necessarily have a direction. But I knew, you know, I was a newlywed. I knew that I wanted to have children um, in God's good time, you know, whenever that mm-hmm. would happen. And I knew that we got married in, during the, the Great Recession, and my husband was in finance at the time. So I knew that I wouldn't necessarily be in the place exactly to stay at home from the offset. So then it was a matter of how do we position myself where I can have a sort of mom-friendly job. So then a girlfriend of mine that um, I knew through a mutual friend had a flower shop in the same neighborhood I lived in. And it was growing, and she was taking on her first, like, real employee. She always had little college students to come in, and I was her first real employee. And I remember saying to my husband, I think I, I'm going to apply for this. I think this is the right stepping stone in the right direction. And it seemed totally crazy because I hadn't done, other than music, very much um, been artistically minded, you know, any anywhere on my journey. And he thought, you know what, let's do it. It'll be great. And so I applied for the job. I almost didn't get the job. Um, it was a job that almost didn't happen and, you know, how different history would have been. Um, but I managed to kind of squeak in by Providence. And I started working there and worked there for a few years. Uh, two years before my son was born, we had to wait a little bit for him. And then um, when I was, then I scaled down to just doing weddings. And then when my second son was born, um, I was then able to be able to stay home. And then, but the flower, the love of flowers stayed with me and and carried me through until now. You know, what I love about your story, Emily, is a testament uh, to hard work ethic and paying your dues. And it just seems like there's, that seems to be a disconnect in the world today where so many people don't realize the importance of paying their dues. They want to get out of college making six figures and, you know, having the corner office and, you know, driving the expensive car. You were sweeping petals off the floor and you work your way up. What could you say to people listening about the importance of paying your dues? I paid my dues. You know, I was doing... Uh, I was in a, a newsroom assistant before, you know, and then I was writing the news. And then, you know, before they put me on the air, months before they put me on the air. And I ended up on the air on a fluke, really, because of my dear friend, Ann Thomas, who took a risk with for with me. Mm-hmm. But talk about paying your dues. Just talk about the importance of that and the value of that. Yeah, you know, it is something that is just so counter to what we believe um, in our world today. You know, you go through school and, you know, you pay a good amount of money for education and you just think... It should look a certain way, and and perhaps because in certain other times when people did the same thing that we did, maybe it looked a different way. But there is something truly about apprenticeship that is invaluable, I would say, because so often, you know, you come out of school or you go into a certain field and you're kind of thrown into the deep end, and then that's where the anxiety builds up, and, you know, there's... And, and different fields have different requirements, of course, but I would say, you know, particularly in my pursuit where it was really fortunate was though it was really hard at the time, I really just wanted to play and feel more included in the process. There was something about being able to learn on the job, in the moment, you know, watching in real time while doing something, you know, very, that one would say is beneath you, (laughs) right? Like uh, cleaning flowers and just sweeping the floor would seem like not a good use of time, but it really was, you know, and it gave me a great appreciation for the, the entire process. And, and a more eagerness to learn when the time came. 
You know, that's a really good point, Emily. When when you do all aspects of a job in a business, and I did this working in my dad's stores, we did everything. We swept the floors. We counted bottles because he had a a grocery store and a liquor store. I did every aspect, so you appreciate Mm. the entire aspect of the business. We're talking with Emily Malloy today. She's the author of the fourth installment of Theology of the Home. And when we cannot see in the creator, we can see in his creation. That's what we're talking about here. We have to take a break here in Catholic Connection. We're going to continue our conversation with Emily Malloy right after this. What constitutes hope? The Catholic Catechism tells us when God fully reveals himself and calls man, man cannot respond on his own. He must hope that God will give him the capacity to love and respond and act in conformity with the commandment of charity. Hope confidently expects divine blessing and the beatific vision of God while fearing to offend him and incur punishment. Despair is a sin against hope, because when a man despairs, he ceases to hope for his eternal salvation, which denies God's goodness, justice, and mercy. The sin of presumption, on the other hand, assumes God will give you forgiveness without conversion and glory without merit, or presumes that man can win his salvation with no supernatural assistance. This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. We're talking about the fourth installment of Theology of Home. Emily Malloy is the author. She explores the vibrancy and life of the garden. With her expertise as a florist, Emily brings a wealth of practical ideas for incorporating flowers into our homes as we march through both nature's seasons and the church's liturgical calendar. It is published by Tam Books and available at the EWTN Religious Catalog. And Emily, I have the statue of Mother Mary in my front yard. And, you know, throughout the seasons, I, I put different flowers in front of her. And I actually, my husband and I just went and purchased these little mini uh, pine trees to put in front of her because we're going into a brutal winter in Michigan, as we always do. So can you speak to us about bringing these different seasonal flowers in and outside of our home as we go in through the liturgical calendar in the seasons in our in our homes, whether we're living in Michigan or Florida or wherever we're living? Absolutely. So, I, you know, as, as you just speak to, each season sort of has its, its little hallmarks, you know, regardless of where we live that is unique to the season. And I would say, you know, definitely take advantage of that. Um, other things that are really wonderful, you mentioned pines. I just love the use of evergreens throughout the winter. Um, and I write about this in my book as far as going into the floral fast. You know, sometimes it's, it's good to kind of lean into that and, and live the fast while the fast is existing, and but still looking out and seeing the beauty that is available at your, at your doorstep. You know, there's different varieties of, evergreens and, and different neat things. Now, down here in Mississippi, something that when I, you know, lived most of my life in Pennsylvania, I hadn't been very exposed to were camellias. 
And um, so that is something, you know, more in the southern region of the United States that you have at your fingertips, you know, come December through March, and they're just a beautiful staple to have. But um, then there's also amazing different kinds of shrubberies out there that, um, you know, privet berries, I love using them in Advent because they have that purple, beautiful purple hue, and they just um, dry really beautifully as well. So I love using privets and all the different kinds of red berries that you can find throughout the winter season, too, are great to have planted outside and, and to bring inside your house as well. And, of course, you know, it's the time of forced bulbs, so that's always a lot of fun to do inside of your house, the amaryllis and the paper whites and, and all of that. I After moving down here, I thinking, you know, being a florist and a gardener, in a completely different um, gardening zone, I didn't realize that when we moved down here that I would have paper whites at my fingertips. They're really big <laughs> in our little town here. Yeah. And they start blooming the week of Christmas, and they carry through until the end of sort of the octave into the, you know, partway through the end of the, um, like, January. And what a gift those are. Oh, my goodness, they're so fragrant and, and just now, for me, um, a quintessential part of the Christmas season um, are paper whites. So um, if, depending on the region you live in, you can also force them inside if you don't have the ability to grow them outside. Yeah. So, Emily, yesterday when I was on my walk here in Michigan, it was a nice sunny day, about 50 degrees. I picked up some pine cones, and I put mm. them in my evergreens to kind of dress them up a little bit uh, yeah. more. So that was a lot of fun. So there's creative ways that you can even dress up your plants and your flowers and your evergreens. And you know, Emily, I mentioned earlier that I'm a big proponent in taking books as gifts when you're going to mm. uh, holiday events. And <clears throat> your book is a perfect example of a wonderful gift to give somebody if you're invited to Thanksgiving or Christmas dinner or Christmas event. But flowers and plants are also wonderful to carry in with you. What do you recommend as people are invited to Thanksgiving and Christmas dinners? Oh, I, I absolutely love the potted plants that you can find right now. Um, you know, all the different mums, it's really great to kind of have them um, in that pot. And you can find a really neat pot or get really neat um, paper to wrap around it. And then also, um, I absolutely have always adored the rosemary-shaped um, uh, trees, right? That You can mm-hmm. kind of see them at the grocery store. They're, they're rosemary, um, but they are shaped almost to look like a Christmas tree. And I always love having that on my countertop during that time of year, number one, because I use it <laughs> very readily um, in, in the food I'm cooking, but also just that the, the beautiful herb smells. Um, you can do a cut flower bouquet. That's always a great amount of fun. Um, again, the forced bulbs are also a lot of fun um, to, to give as gifts as well. And so my recommendation is, yeah, it's always great to come with something in hand. That is, you know, such a, a beautiful offering to your host who is, you know, bringing you into their home. But then also just, um, ex, you know, external uh, offering of a gift, you know, in that same way, imaging sort of the, the gift of flowers that God the Father has given to us, right? Flowers are just this beautiful extra and just such a beautiful gift of love where it's just his overabundant love. So to sort of mirror that same love and giving to other people in your life, I think is a really great way um, to do that. So do you have a favorite seasonal flower, like a favorite flower plant for every season? I think I do, but can I be perfect? I think I can be honest with you. We're friends. It changes <laughs> almost every week and every year. Uh, I think maybe that's consistent with my sanguine temperament, but just when I think I love one thing, I see something else, and I'm beguiled by something else sure. altogether or a different color or a different variety. But I will say there are some mainstays that have just wowed me and haven't let me go. 
hellebores being one of them. So they're a winter flower. Um, another perfect one, I can't believe I didn't think of it when we were speaking of the statue of Our Lady outside with the plant. I always plant hellebores near Our Lady, um, and they just are such a great cut stem. Um, tuberoses are more of like a, um, well, depending on where you live, like a, it's a bulb, so a more of a spring um flower and that is the one that when you smell it you think oh that is this fragrance that they're deriving a lot of different um mm-hmm. rose and floral perfumes from just absolutely intoxicatingly beautiful smell um roses of course for summer um and and in particular the david austin varieties of roses and the ramblers and climbers um and in the fall oh gosh i could just the list could just go on yeah Um, (laughs) there's just so many great things out there it's hard yeah it's like picking a favorite star (laughs) yeah in the sky that's so true i love rose bushes too my husband just Mm. planted me uh eight rose bushes uh, this last summer and a friend of mine who has since passed on she was so sweet she actually gifted me uh, seven sisters rose bushes because I'm oh. one of seven sisters. I have six oh, sisters. There's seven cool. girls. So I actually planted that in my old home and I actually want to get another one for this home that I moved into. Mm. But um, yeah, rose bushes are some of my favorites. We're talking with Emily Malloy, author of Theology of Home for Arranging the Seasons. Um, and we're talking about, you know, hosting meals and gatherings, Thanksgiving and Advent, Vesper gatherings and Christmas and New Year's and the Epiphany. Um, and so think about uh, gifts that you can give people, potted plants and flowers. And Emily, you know, about a minute left here with you. Why are plants and flowers so important to bring in our homes? Well, I think it's the most easy way to access beauty. I think we can get overwhelmed with different other forms of bringing beauty into our lives and I think flowers are just so simple and such a beautiful way of bringing God's creation into our homes and and permit a new encounter with our Lord. Emily Malloy, thank you so much for joining us here on Catholic Connection. Thank you so much. It was a joy to be here. Again, this beautiful book, Theology of the Home for Arranging the Seasons by Emily Malloy, is available at the EWTN Religious Catalog. It's published by Tan Books. Uh, it's the fourth installment of this series, and uh, Carrie and other authors have other books. I've gifted them. These are wonderful housewarming gifts. Uh, uh, they have Theology of the Home too, the spiritual uh uh, spiritual art and homemaking, theology of the one three, and of course theology of the home, the first one as well. It's a wonderful, wonderful series. And if you're looking for great gifts to give somebody uh, during this holiday season, go to the EWTN Religious Catalog, and you'll see wonderful books and other religious items to give people uh, as gifts as you're invited to their homes this holiday season. Stay with us, everyone. We have to take a break here in Catholic Connection. Joining us next will be Kevin Murphy from the Cardinal Newman Society. Vice President of Communications at the Cardinal Newman Society. We're talking about the Cardinal Newman Society Catholic College scholarships available. Uh, Kevin, thank you for joining us here today. Well, thank you so much for having me. So let's talk about these wonderful scholarships that are available. Uh, Give us an overview. And it's that time of the year that many kids are taking their ACTs and SATs and looking at colleges. So tell us what these scholarships entail. Well, we are, we are we're happy to announce our eighth annual essay scholarship contest. Now, this is a scholarship that's open to uh, high school seniors, 
to enter in or apply for um, um, one of our Newman Guide Colleges. And the idea is that by going in, participating in our Recruit Me program, which is a program all they have to do is go in and enter their information, and then we submit this to the admissions directors at our wonderful Newman Guide Colleges, and the tables then become flipped because they start calling you. They start recruiting you. And then you enter in for this contest, and you could win $5,000 toward the cost of attending one of these wonderful colleges. But I also want to mention two things about this, because this is very important, because the blessings just keep coming. First of all, the program was given to us. Joseph and Ann Giffray are very uh, strong advocates for faithful Catholic education. They're the ones that made this possible. But then our wonderful Newman Guide Colleges said, hey, if you choose our college, we'll not only uh, add on to that $5,000 scholarship, we'll add on to it for each of the subsequent three years after that. Then this $5,000 scholarship becomes a potential $20,000 scholarship. Wow, that is incredible. Isn't that great? So can we go to the Cardinal Newman Society and look for the list of colleges that you recommend yeah. or are on your list? So we should yes. start. Should we start there? <laughs> Let's do that. Let's do that. So if you go to CardinalNewmanSociety.org right now, there is a – actually, this is perfect timing, too, by the way, because we just put out information about um, the Newman Guide Colleges and what they're experiencing right now. You know, unfortunately, in our culture – there's a lot of darkness right now, and, yeah. and, and, and there's a lot of fighting even within our church, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you get this bad news all the time. Well, over the weekend, we got some incredibly good news. We looked at our Newman Guide Colleges, and all of them reported back on what was going on with their enrollments. And we started right at the top at our, our, you know, our schools, Belmont Abbey, Benedictine College, Catholic University of America, Franciscan, all of them on down are having record years. They, In some cases, for example, at Christendom College, they've capped out in the student body size. So, wow. so something is happening that is drawing students to the Newman Guide Colleges because of the faithful, you know, faithful gift to us. Wow. And it's an incredible opportunity. When you add on to that the potential of getting a scholarship to one of these colleges and a potential $20,000 scholarship, to me, it's just a it's it's a right time, um, beautiful time in our church. So, talk about the essay itself. What what does okay. this entail? And is it does the topic change every year, or how does this work? Topic is a little bit different. So, um, this year we celebrated the Cardinal Newman Society our thirtieth year, and we did something very unique. The Newman Guide has always has for sixteen years been offered as a guide for Catholic families choose a faithful Catholic college so that they don't go to a college. And believe me, I get these calls uh, quite frequently from people who call up and say, I went to this school and I thought it was Catholic, and I got here and I experienced all kinds of terrible things, you know, mm-hmm. uh, trans shows or, or all kinds of things that are disturbing to them, and now they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. If you go to the CardinalNewmanSociety.org and you look up, you can pick one of these colleges um, based on, on it being a faithful Catholic college. Now, this uh, particular essay contest is that you are going to explain the importance of going to a Newman Guide College as kind of a, a capper to your lifelong Catholic formation. It's very quick. It's only a four to six hundred words. 
Um, but the idea is, by us, what we did in, in this year was we extended our Newman Guide into the K-12 market. Mm. So now a Catholic family can come to our site and go, what school should I go to in the K-12? And now what school could I go to in college? And then in addition to that, we have also extended it into graduate programs. So what wow. we would say is you now have kind of a seamless, faithful Catholic education. So the essay is just explain the importance of attending Newman Guide College. Tell us why that's important based on your years of formation and what you're going to be facing next in the world. So let me ask you this. For people listening who are maybe a principal of a Catholic school, K-12 through or college, and they want to be uh, considered by the Cardinal Newman Society, do they reach out to you? And what criteria do, do you? So how does, what is the criteria you look for? Obviously, yeah. we're focused are, on our faith, but, but go ahead. So we have um, Dr. Denise Donahue, who um, is, is kind of our, our person that goes through all of the requirements with the school, walks them through the things that they should do, and these are things that are, to us, sometimes people think that this is just unnecessary paperwork. But today, based on what's happening in, in, in higher education, these are the things that will protect the school from litigation and those things that people are trying to do, especially in, in the Catholic world. Um, so there's a whole host of things you do, setting certain policies in place, having certain curriculum, um, making sure that you're you're taking a profession of faith and that you're following certain guidelines so that you'll be in accord with what the Church teaches. And Denise has, along with um, Patrick Riley, our founder, gone through this assiduously to try to figure out, okay, what exactly is the Church requiring of these schools and what should they go through? Mm. Um, so I love, when, when, you know, saying that um, these these schools are having a record enrollment. <laughs> what a testament. I think yeah. people are hungry for truth, hungry for faith. And this is what I love about that is that you can do your part. Don't get so caught up in what the politicians are doing, what the big tech are doing. I mean, we pray for them. We try to do our part. But you can take charge. There are things that you can do by pursuing a degree at one of these colleges. That's your way of living the faith and taking charge of what's of the culture today. Yeah, it's a great message. Yeah, thank you for saying that, because, you know, we, we interviewed uh, the presidents of Newman Guy Colleges last year in person, and one of them, um, Father Dave Pavanka, said that he thinks your choice of a college is the most important choice of your life, mm. because it's such a formative time, right? Mm-hmm. And, in, and in this formative years, you can go to a school that has professors and, and activities that are constantly assailing your faith, where a Catholic can get drowned out. If you go to a school like these, you can be uplifted. You know, you can be um, kind of reinforced in your faith. And that's what we're looking for today. You know, I've I've said this uh, many times because of the activity that we've gone in this year in our 30th. It's been kind of provoked by Pope Benedict XVI, who coming up in January, he wrote a document 16 years ago in which he said the formation of young people, the educating of young people, has become an educational emergency. Mm, and I think true. about that term, educational emergency, and he said that 16 years ago. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, imagine... So now are we in a crisis? <laughs> yeah. yeah. We are in so a cultural what, crisis. We are in a cultural crisis. You, I mean, I think you said that very well. You know, the idea is these young people can choose to do something rather than listen to all the noise and kind of the 
you know, the negativity around them. Uh, but go out and do something positive. Go to one of these schools. Um, you are the, the light for our future, so go out, get in one of these schools, get edified, and get out and make a difference. Amen. Kevin, give out your website for us so people can go apply for those scholarships. Yep, CardinalNewmanSociety.org, and that is Newman with a W-N-E-W-M-A-N. And just go to the website. On the very front of the website right now, there are there's two stories back-to-back. One says Newman Guide Colleges are light in the darkness, and if you want to, you can go in and look at the growth of any one of those colleges right now. The second one is the Catholic College $5,000 scholarship contest. Amen. Kevin Murphy, Vice President of Communications at the Cardinal Newman Society. Thank you for being with us here on Catholic Connection. God bless your work. Thank you so much. God bless you and all that you do. Kevin Murphy, go to Catholic and Newman Society and find out about those scholarships and the colleges that are approved by the Cardinal Newman Society. Stay with us, everyone, when we come back. Gal Buckley-Berenger will be joining us from the Catholic Scripture Study International with her Bible verse of the week. It's Monday here on Catholic Connection, and as always, Gail Buckley-Berenger is joining us for the Catholic Scripture Study International, providing with us the Bible verse of the week. Gail, how are you? Hello? Can you hear me? I can hear you now, Gail. How okay, are you? good. <laughs> I'm fine. Thank you. I don't know what's wrong with the phones today, yeah. but anyway, <laughs> I'm ready with the verse. Can you hear me now? Sure, I hear you. Go ahead. Yeah, a little technical okay. issues, but go ahead. What's the Bible verse okay. of the week? Well, today's verse is from 1 Timothy 3.15, and it says, If I'm delayed, you may know you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. And, of course, these are the words of the Apostle Paul, you know, to his friend Timothy. And what I want to emphasize, Sherry, is that in this verse, Paul states that the church is the pillar and foundation of truth. And this is one of my favorite verses. As you know, I'm a convert to the faith. And, mm-hmm. and you know, for years, um, being a Protestant, we always, I didn't know anything about the Catholic faith. And we were always taught that the Bible is the only source of truth. And I'm a huge promoter of the Bible. I want everyone to know Scripture and apply it to their life. It's God's Word, and it's inerrant, and it was written by, you know, inspired um, by God to write down exactly what He wanted written. And as Catholics, we believe that. But, you know, it's it's important for us also um, that the Church is the source of truth, to know that. It's a pillar and foundation of truth, and it's important also, I think, you know, for us to know that the Church that Paul is speaking about is a Catholic Church. We know that from... Uh, Matthew sixteen eighteen, when Jesus pronounced that Peter was going to be the head of the church, and and he was found in his church on Peter, and you know we know from the writings of the early church fathers too that it was called Catholic at least you know as far back as I think it was one hundred seven A.D. Um, we read we read that it was called Catholic, and I'm sure it was called Catholic before that, but that's the earliest writings that we have where it was called Catholic. But another reason I think, you know, um, this verse is important, especially for Catholics, is because so often we're asked by non-Catholics to prove something by the Bible. You know, show me where purgatory is in the Bible. And it's not true because it's not there. And that's because Protestants rely solely on Scripture. But the Bible states, you know, that we're supposed to hold fast to the teachings that have been passed down to us, both by word and mouth. That's what Timothy says. And by, le- by my word of mouth and by letter, I mean. And 
you know, we know that the Christian faith was handed down to us first orally, you know, oral tradition, because we didn't have a New Testament or a full Bible for almost 400 years. So I don't know how anyone, you know, knew the faith or knew the source of truth if there wasn't even a Bible for almost 400 years. Mm. And so there's so much more I'd like to say, Sherry, we don't have enough time, but uh, to sum it up, I think the Bible, you know, it's our holy book, the living Word of God, and, and we venerate it, and we believe everything in it. But I want my Catholic brothers and sisters to remember that without the Church, we wouldn't have a Bible, and the Church came before the Bible. So don't be intimidated by anyone who tells you that the Bible is the only source of truth. The Catholic Church has the fullness of truth with both the written and the oral traditions that were handed down to us by the Apostles. Mm-hmm. Give, just, out, yeah, give out the Bible verse that. again. Yeah, g- g- great yeah, point, Gail. And give out g- g- tell us the Bible verse again. Yes, it's from First Timothy chapter three, verse fifteen. It says, "If I'm delayed, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth." Amen. Gail Buckley Berenger, it's so important that we meditate and take that prayer uh, verse that she shares with us every week. Discernment, Gail, right? Take that to adoration and really pray and see where the Lord is speaking to you. Yes, exactly. I think that's very important because the Lord does speak to you when we get quiet and if we're in front of Him in adoration. I think it's very important to do that. Um, you know, when I was teaching Bible study classes, I would go the night before to adoration, and it was amazing what the Lord put in my mind. That's great, you know, yeah. so we just Amen. need to be still and listen to Him. Yeah. Amen. Gal buckley Berenger. thank you for joining us again from the Catholic Scripture Study International. Thank you, Sherry. Thank you. Vanessa Denhagarmo here, filling in for Teresa Tamio. Thank you to Gail Buckley Berenger joining us here, and Kevin Murphy, Vice President of Communications at Cardinal Newman Society. Emily Malloy, author of the fourth installment of Theology Home, a great book gift, a stocking stuffer gift, Theology of the Home Four, Arranging the Seasons. And uh, uh, this morning we talked about the Calden Gifted Program, and I hope you consider taking the Calden Gifted Program. Thank you all for tuning in. I'll be in the host chair tomorrow here on Catholic Connection. Have a very very blessed day, all. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-MariaRadio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection.